So DNA is like this, a stage and the stage is set and you are the actor and how you're going to interact on that stage is up to you. And the epigenetics is the effect that you're going to elicit from your audience. Are you going to make them laugh? Are you going to make them cry? Are they going to bond with you? But you are the center person in this story and you have so much at your control and at your disposal. And especially with functional medicine, there's just so much more that you can do and to really understand yourself. So you know how to deliver the best performance of your life. Dr. Ross Carter with the Regenerative Warrior Show. Today, I want to welcome our special guest, Dr. Erica Gray. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Carter. I appreciate it. Fantastic. I'm, I'm happy to have you here today. Dr. Erica is with a company called Toolbox Genomics, which uh, is a fascinating company, and they deal with DNA and um, epigenetic testing. And right. today, we're going to learn all about that. So where, where should we start? I guess, I guess if we're going to start with anything, it would be, let's start with the basic building blocks of DNA, right? That's right. That's, that's okay. the best place to start, the blueprint to who you are. Exactly. So tell us, tell us about DNA, first of all. So DNA, I think, is when you mention the words DNA, people immediately go, oh, my gosh, high school biology. That was so long ago. And I, I just barely squeaked through. But we forget that. An A, a C, a T, and a G, and the combinations of that actually provides all of that pertinent information to your body of how tall are you going to grow, what type of hair, what type of eye color, and those are all the things that we can see, but this also does a ton of things behind the scenes as well as to how do we break down our vitamins, how do, what types of enzymes do we uh, make, do we, are we have an increased risk for cardiovascular disease? So many of those things are there. And that's why it's the DNA is really that blueprint to who you are. It doesn't mean that's how you're going to build your house, but this is what the plan looks like. Cool. All right. I like that. So, so if it's a plan, how to build the house, can we change that plan? You can. So you can change what it's going to look like. So that fundamental uh, plan is not going to change. Your DNA never changes, but it's the expression of it. So I might decide that I want to have my sink um, in front of a window, but maybe the plan said um, that it's going to be against a wall. Well, I can make that change. It's not going to change how the kitchen functions. It's not going to change what I do in the kitchen. The sink is still going to do its job, but you know, an application of it changes. So a very common um, gene that a lot of people look at, something called MTHFR, which has to do with folate metabolism and getting that final form of folate that the body needs. Now, people will say, well, what's my MTHFR status? And then they will kind of change their life around it. And that's like doing a full-scale remodel in your house. 
because the body is so smart. It has backdoor mechanisms to work. If you have something, what we call a polymorphism, this, uh, a C, what they call a single nucleotide polymorphism, that change in the base pairs. And I know I just got really complicated. So bear with me here for a second. So what happens is that A matches with T and C matches with G. And that is how the body designs all of the machinery. But then sometimes we make, the body makes changes. And so it will match an A with a G. And that's okay because that might make my hair color different or my eye color different, but it also may change how I handle folate. And so what ends up happening is that people who have a variant, a change in the base pairs with MTHFR just need a different form of folate or they need to support their gut bacteria because your gut bacteria can also help you make folate and B vitamins. So that's a, that, that's, you're talking about the a challenge with just one B vitamin, uh, right. the, the, the assimilation, I guess, to the breakdown and the utilization of that B vitamin folate, right? It's to get it into the form that the cells can recognize and utilize. Exactly. And if we don't get it in, what, what, what's the problem? It backs, I, I like to liken it to a door. So it backs up on the other side of the door. And the, the concern with MTHFR is it plays a big role in converting homocysteine back into methionine. And ho so you get methionine from animal products. It's completely normal and the body turns it into homocysteine. The problem is too much homocysteine. This is a lab that you can order and Dr. Carter's uh, clinics can order it for you. It can be inflammatory, especially to your arteries and to your brain as well. So we need to have adequate folate and B12 to what we say, do that regeneration or that conversion of homocysteine back into methionine. Okay. And so, so isn't the, the best way I would say to do that is just to take methylated folate? That's right. That's exactly right. But what happens is a lot of people hear folate, folic acid, and they think they're all the same. And so you'll look at a uh, regular multivitamin. And if it says folic acid, that is not the activated form. That's not the form that your cells can use. And you can use folic acid and your body will convert it into the activated form, which is that five MTHF version. However, if you have a variant in that gene, you may not be able to convert it as readily. And so as a result, all of these um, uh, metabolites of folate get backed up outside of a door and they can't get through the door. And on the other side of that door is homocysteine waiting to be converted. And so essentially you need, you get this massive buildup and then in time it will push the door open but you need to actually have a pretty big buildup. And instead, if you have the activated form, it's like there's no door there. You just skip right over it and it goes straight into the cell so the cell can utilize it. Okay, excellent. So when we're talking about DNA, um, I guess the, the first question is, can we, can we look at what our current DNA is and, and, and understand what it's saying? Do we, do we have a way to understand it? Yes. And it, I think I like to liken it that it tells a story of okay. who we are, where we're going. And again, just like any map, any set of instructions, that doesn't mean you're going straight from point A to point B. You might take a detour, but it gives you an idea of what does that future look like? 
So for example, in our family history, we have type two diabetes. We have a lot of um, glucose dysregulation, but there's no autoimmune conditions that anybody has had and the genetics bear it out. And so what you'll find is that many times your DNA results match family history, they match things that you have already suspected about yourself, lab work that you see, certain deficiencies, certain elevations, inflammations. And so then the DNA gives you the why, gives you the explanation of where is this coming from? And is this genetic in origin? Is it environmental in origin? Or is it a combination of both? Okay. And so once we, so there are, there are ways to test it, to determine exactly what um, we're predisposed to, to genetically having, correct? That's right. And it's a cheek swab. Um, Some companies will do a saliva sample, but for us, our DNA test is, is simply a cheek swab and you just rub it on the inside of your cheek, send it off to the lab. And in two to three weeks, you get that blueprint as to who you are and where your potential predispositions or even superpowers might lie. Because we have you know, certain genetic superpowers, as I like to call it, depending on the way we, we make certain neurotransmitters, such as like dopamine and serotonin, um, understanding that can really allow us to harness that and do more with our lives as well. So what does this, this DNA test really tell us? I mean, what, what kind of information do we receive from it? It gives you information around mod- things that you can modify. So nothing around a chromosome abnormality, nothing that is it's a, where there's a guarantee that it's going to develop. These are all suggestions. These are possibilities. If you continue to live your life a certain way and you're not taking good care of yourself, then there's a higher likelihood you're going to develop the condition, but it does everything from weight management to nutrition. How do you break down your nutrients? Are you fundamentally um, potentially lower in certain nutrients like magnesium, like um, omega-3s, choline, as an example, it can also look at cardiometabolic. What do you do with insulin? How is your blood sugar, blood pressure, uh, cognition, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, mild cognitive decline, all of those a lot of the, um, a lot of these, what we call chronic conditions, the scene is set by the genetics. Hi, thanks for watching. Did you know that as we get older, we start to suffer from joint and spine pain and degeneration, chronic disease, and even accelerated aging, all caused by hidden weaknesses in our health. You see, daily metabolism leads to minor damage And when that damage isn't repaired, then it accumulates until it reaches a threshold and a health problem is created. Now, what if you could prevent these health problems from occurring in the first place? Now, science may have finally found a way to stop this process through cellular preventative maintenance. Regenerative nanoparticles are a revolutionary solution that can find and repair hidden damage before it becomes a condition. Discover how regenerative nanoparticles can add 30 or more healthy years to your life. Simply go to drrosscarter.com and set up a time to chat and learn more. That's drrosscarter.com. Now we're located here in South Florida, but these procedures are available in all parts of the country. Please note that these procedures are not covered by insurances and prices start at $2,500. Go to drrosscarter.com and I will talk to you soon. Take care.
And so the test that you do will tell you if you have a predisposition for Alzheimer's or dementia or all these other conditions you just named? Yes, that's correct. From a genetic perspective, and then it's going to be up to the individual, how they live their life, how they work with their healthcare practitioner to either prevent that from happening or work with, you always want to work with your genes, not against them. What does that mean exactly? Work with them. How so do you do take, that? So let's take the example of APOE. APOE is a gene that puts you at a higher risk for Alzheimer's. Very, very well documented. So for those types of individuals, they have a cholesterol transport issue. They do better with a mono unsaturated fat diet versus a saturated fat diet. So if you have someone who wants to do a ketogenic diet and they have an APOE variant, so that what we call a, a three, four or four, four, that's fine, but you're not going to do a saturated fat focused um, for your fat. You're going to do a protein focus and you're going to do a mono unsaturated fat. If you smoke, smoking is a much, much bigger component for an APOE4 and shellfish and a higher omega-3 diet has been shown to be incredibly helpful. So knowing all these things that can support the genes, now you can look at your lifestyle and your diet. And if you're going out and you're doing fat, eating fast food, um, fast food all the time, and you're smoking and you're consuming a lot of alcohol, you're working against that gene. And you're going to be potentially turning that gene more on. So it's going to express itself more. And in time, it might accelerate that development into Alzheimer's or myocognitive decline. Mm, gotcha. And you can find that out from a cheek swab. That's pretty amazing. It is. It gives a, it gives a lot of information. A little scary sometimes. It, it, are the reports that you present, are they easy to read and understand? They are. And they, we, because there are many genes, it's not just one gene that plays a role in the development of the condition. So we give you what we call a, a polygenic risk score. So you can look at a high level. Is it a high, medium, or a low risk for this particular trait? Then everything is broken down into diet and lifestyle and also further testing because we know just because you have the gene doesn't mean it's being expressed. It may not be expressed today. It may be expressed five years from now, but at least if you have that information, you have, you can now work towards it and say, these are the things I'm going to do in my lifestyle to be very proactive. And the, what the literature has shown is that people who find out they're at a higher risk for certain genetic traits and they make those lifestyle modifications, they have the best outcomes. So uh, does the report not only tell you what the problems you potentially could have, but also ways to prevent it? Ways that, yes, exactly. So what are some nutrients that are going to be helpful? What are some dietary changes or even lifestyle that has been shown to be preventative or reductionary in those for those particular conditions as well? So that's how you can utilize these tests is to, to determine what areas that your issues that you may be prone to, and then what things you can do to help them uh, to, to minimize that risk. Is that really exactly? Where, yeah. It's no <clears throat> and way I to should also prevent it, but to at least minimize it, right? Go ahead. Exactly. Sorry. I was going to mention when you said that's scary, I should mention the privacy um, topic. Cause that's always a little bit of the elephant in the room. And so, yeah. Uh, we recognize that that can be very daunting for individuals and scary and something that they're not comfortable with. 
So I'm here to say we protect privacy from the beginning to the end. Everything gets de-identified. Um, we, you just become truly a number in the system and you get separated from everything. And because we control everything from start to finish, we know exactly where things are and your data just simply goes into a black box that we don't do anything with that's HIPAA compliant. And it has the highest level of security. We actually conform to the EU's security standards, not the U.S., because that's even higher. Speaking of uh, when you we were talking about, is are the tests reproducible? You know, because I've, I've seen like, you know, various types of tests that they, they say they're not reproducible. And then it seems a little strange. Are DNA testing, if you do the same type of test, will it give you the same type of results? It should. Yeah. So you should, if you have this particular, what we call RSID and one company gives you in what we would say like an AC, then if you test with another company, you should also get an AC. Where it can get a little bit tricky is that um, companies try to maintain some type of a proprietary strategy. So they may not tell you the RSID. They might tell you the gene name. And within the gene name, there's many RSIDs. And so it's very possible that they're looking at a different RSID, which does a different, plays a different role. So they may give you a different result um, because they're looking at a different RSID. So oh, you always want to match RSID to RSID because that's where it is on the chromosome. And that's where all the data is around. What does RSID mean? <sighs> I forgot what the acronym stands for. But it's essentially the, uh, uh, it's the code, I guess you could say, that researchers have developed to say that this particular number uh, is located in this chromosome and it does this thing. So on PubMed, actually, there's a place called DBSNP, DBSNP, and you can plug any RSID in there and it will give you information about it. Um, it'll give you information about the ancestry, the, the alleles, what you would expect, you know, if you have the variant or not, and then what it can do in the body as well. So once we determine what we are basically predisposed to or because of our parents, wonderful parents, right? Uh, now there's, there's new testing that we can utilize to, to further this uh, education of what we can do to help our bodies. And tell us about that. Yeah, so it's the it's next generation DNA testing. So um, cool. it, <laughs> DNA testing was always when it came out was really, really exciting because of all, of all the things we just discussed. But as I also mentioned, DNA doesn't change. It's the expression of it. So now we can actually start to measure the expression of it through something called methylation. And methylation essentially is this little molecule that the body tacks onto the DNA and it puts it on and off. And it's just, it's an expected, very natural process in the body. But when you put a methyl group on into a certain part of the DNA around a certain gene, you're going to potentially turn that gene on or off. And so there's been a lot of research around aging that the reason some people age faster than others is because their aging genes have been turned on. And you turn those genes on through your environment. So you can get excellent longevity genes, but if you are smoking and drinking and consuming processed foods, those are some of the big ones. Despite amazing genetics, 
you're going to be methylating those genes. So they're not going to give you that longevity that you thought you were going to have. This is a battle. Well, you should have had, but that's right. That's right. This is the battle I have with my father. So my grandmother lived until she was 96. And so he tell, tells me that because she lived until 96, he has, yes, he's got a good potential. And I said, but you're an APOE4 carrier. So we got that one. She wasn't. And you drink. And this is a problem. And that's going to age you. So it's a, it's a very real battle that we all struggle with. And I have personally in my own family. Um, but being able to, to take his epigenetic results and then show him how he's aging and how he's doing all of a sudden makes it very real for him because I did the epigenetic testing on both of my parents. And it was funny because my mother is very, very health conscious and she came in and she was eight years younger. My Mm -hmm. father was three years younger. So I said, see, you're doing a good job, but we could improve that number. And so it was, it was a, it was a validation for him that all the supplements and yes, when he follows my instructions, he's doing well. Um, but there's still room for improvement on that. Hi, thanks for watching. Did you know that as we get older, we start to suffer from joint and spine pain and degeneration? chronic disease, and even accelerated aging, all caused by hidden weaknesses in our health. You see, daily metabolism leads to minor damage, and when that damage isn't repaired, then it accumulates until it reaches a threshold, and a health problem is created. Now, what if you could prevent these health problems from occurring in the first place? Now, science may have finally found a way to stop this process through cellular preventative maintenance. Regenerative nanoparticles are a revolutionary solution that can find and repair hidden damage before it becomes a condition. Discover how regenerative nanoparticles can add 30 or more healthy years to your life. Simply go to drrosscarter.com and set up a time to chat and learn more. That's drrosscarter.com. Now we're located here in South Florida, but these procedures are available in all parts of the country. Please note that these procedures are not covered by insurances and prices start at $2,500. Go to drrosscarter.com and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. So let me, let me clarify the, or get a clarification on the difference between a DNA and an epigenetic test, because one is saying that your genetics are, you're predisposed to these conditions, right? right? And the epigenetic, does it, does it get information from the DNA test and use that and say, you may be predisposed to it, but it's not turned on right now? Or what is it, how did, what does it say exactly? Yeah, sorry, I wasn't very clear on that. So they're actually different tests. They're different arrays. You measure different things. Okay. So DNA test, you're looking for that A, C, T, and G. Those are the results that you receive. On okay. a methylation test, you actually get a score between zero and one. And that is then tied into different aging genes. So depending on how close you are to one, that particular gene is more methylated. And depending on what it does, it's either more in an off position or in an on position. And so, um, and then that number can be changed. So as you change your lifestyle, as you change your diet, as you change your exercise and your sleep patterns, you can influence that methylation number. And you could so, remove the methylation? Right, you, exactly. You could remove it or essentially lessen it. 
So that way your score is going to go down. So that's the goal um, around any of these aging genes is we want that your score to come down. We want inflammation to come down. We want your eye age to be younger, your hearing age, especially your memory age. Because that's a really interesting one. If you have a memory age and you're coming in five years older than your chronological age, there's something that's happening in your brain that you may want to take a closer look at uh, because it could, you may be on an accelerated path towards some mild cognitive decline. So, so the epigenetic test will tell you how old your cells are functioning. Um, how old certain tissue, it's more um, how t- certain tissues, how, how, um, how are they aging um, in relation to your chronological age? So in, out of UCLA, Dr. Steve Horvath did a bunch of research. And what he found was he was able to, you know, for every year, say, this is how much methylation we expect for these particular tissues. And okay. so that's what this information is based off of. And so you have to use your chronological age as a base, mo- base level. And then from there, you're able to say, I, have, I am younger or I am older or I have more inflammation or I have less inflammation. So epigenetics it, is measuring it based on other people at that same age. Correct. Yep. Okay. It was a big cohort that they did. And so now okay. this is that application of the DNA because it is looking at certain genes, but it's now it's looking at the expression of it. So it's best to probably do both tests to see not only what you're predisposed to, but what is is not working so well right now. Is that kind of accurate? Yes. And it it becomes really powerful when you have elevated inflammation, you come in high on inflammation genes from your DNA test, and then you also see it in the lab work. Or maybe you don't see it in the lab work yet, but you can see they're starting to trend up a little bit. You know, they're still in a, a, a functional medicine range but they're at that upper end. So it's a great opportunity for you to say, you know, everything is starting to catch up. Or if you're on the younger side, you're in your twenties and thirties, it's a great way for you to get that blueprint, see what's going on and epigenetics, you retest because that expression is going to change. It's dynamic. Dr. Kara Fitzgerald just published a paper in April where she showed in eight weeks, she was able to take men between the ages of 50 to 70 and actually slow their aging down by three years, just by making some diet, sleep, supplement, and some exercise changes, which is what we tell everybody, but now we can actually quantify it. So how often do you do one of these tests? I mean, you you get it done and it'll tell you will it go through different systems of the body and say, this is at this age and this is at this age, or is it an overall age or what is it that it gives you? It's an overall age. So right now it's, we're focused on five categories. So it's your biological hearing, eye memory age, and then inflammation. Really? That's mm-hmm. an interesting choices. What are there other, isn't there other things that you could find out or is that, that it? Um, So there's metabolism. There's some good data around metabolism. So we're going to be rolling that out. And then there's also data around smoking. 
um, and the effects of smoking on your methylation status. So that's also in the, in the pipeline for us. Um, but we're, we're focusing on metabolism next. So this is a lot newer research. So it, the data is only about 10, eight to 10 years old versus a lot of the DNA research goes back 20, 30 years in some cases. Okay. So it'll tell you about your, your eyes, your brain health, what, uh, your inflammation, what else? Um, hearing age, and then your, your biological age as well. Clearly that's going, uh, <laughs> what, what was that you said or remembering? All right. So, so it does those five basic areas Correct. and, and it, it, it gives you an overall score and, or does it like for like your hearing is good. It's bad. It's what does it say about each one specific? So it gives you a score and then it relates it to, is this healthy? Is it normal? Are you unhealthy or are you very healthy? So it, it does break it down and you can visually see where you would be expected to be for your age. And then right. are you significantly higher or lower? So there's nice visual. And then as you retest, and I just suggest retesting every six months. Um, if you have someone who comes in with some lab work, that's really um unusual or the, the levels are very high, or you're really concerned that there's something significant going on, then I would retest every four months. Okay. Um, and, but you know, every six to, to 12 is, is appropriate. And then you'll be able to see how that score changes for you over time as well. And the essence is that you're just wanting that those numbers to improve and your, and your overall age, which is, it's an accumulation, right? It just gives you an overall age of how old you are in general. Yes. So for example, my mother is 68 and she came in at 60. So, you know, that, so then the next time we retest, we're going to expect her to stay right within that, you know, eight, eight years younger, you know, plus or minus a year or so, but that's the goal is you want to hold people if they're in a lower, um, if they're aging slower, you want to keep them there as well. And so what, what factors do you see are the biggest movers of or improvers of the epigenetic? Um, yeah, the microbiome is a huge one. Microbiome, uh, which would involve, you know, basically getting your proper gut bacteria. That's right. There are companies that I, I utilize, like Viome is a good one for that one. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So you have three to five pounds of bacteria in your gut. And they're really, uh, they're a second brain and power that they can uh, elicit in your life <laughs> can be pretty awe-inspiring. So keep them fed, keep them happy and make sure that they're well-balanced because if they're not, they're going to potentially start to inflame the brain. Um, you're not going to be able to make your nutrients from them. There's, they, they do so much to help us out, but we do very little to help them out because I think we forget about them. Okay. So gut bacteria is one. Your gut bacteria, um, circadian rhythm. So light, dark, what time you're going to bed, um, what conditions you're sleeping under when you're getting up, are you getting outside? What are you doing with the light and the dark? Very, very significant. The food that you're eating. Uh, the toxins that you're exposed to, hormones, and this can be you know, both good, which are bioidentical hormones, but you need to monitor them. You need to follow up with them and make sure you're taking the right type of hormones. Synthetic hormones are going to be potentially more inflammatory to the body versus a bioidentical. 
levels that are too high or too low. So those that's a huge modulator as well. And then what is your environment? And so you know, we talk about stress um, and we are adapt we are adapted to live with stress, but we tend to push the envelope too much. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that kind of low grade chronic stress that we all have that we're, we're worried about and social media doesn't help us. And then also exercise. Are you aggressively exercising? So I had a gal who um, was about 31 or 32 training for an Ironman. And I was curious. I said, so what are you doing to help support these really intense exercises? And she said, I'm taking whey protein and creatine. I said, any antioxidants, some vitamin C, you know, some probiotics. Nope, nothing. She came in 10 years older and her inflammation <laughs> score was unhealthy. Now. <laughs> An Ironman, that's bad. Like, oh, you're going to die doing this. That's right. So it was very eye-opening for her to see, wow, yes, this is a cool goal, but it is aging my body and it's brutal. So we're retesting her to see now that she's not training for the half Ironman, um, how have those numbers changed? Because it's possible she's turned some genes on and, and she is going to be aging faster unless she takes some, t- t- um, some supportive nutrients or changes her lifestyle. Hi, thanks for watching. Did you know that as we get older, we start to suffer from joint and spine pain and degeneration? chronic disease, and even accelerated aging, all caused by hidden weaknesses in our health. You see, daily metabolism leads to minor damage, and when that damage isn't repaired, then it accumulates until it reaches a threshold, and a health problem is created. Now, what if you could prevent these health problems from occurring in the first place? Now, science may have finally found a way to stop this process through cellular preventative maintenance. Regenerative nanoparticles are a revolutionary solution that can find and repair hidden damage before it becomes a condition. Discover how regenerative nanoparticles can add 30 or more healthy years to your life. Simply go to drrosscarter.com and set up a time to chat and learn more. That's drrosscarter.com. Now we're located here in South Florida, but these procedures are available in all parts of the country. Please note that these procedures are not covered by insurances and prices start at $2,500. Go to drrosscarter.com and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm. Very fascinating. Uh, now, you, uh, we talked briefly about cancer as well. So, so can you tell us, let's go into that cancer topic. So we usually see cancer starting to come out for most people in their late 40s fifties and sixties. And there is that time in our twenties and thirties and you know, late teens that we don't. And so the question often is why? And the thought behind it is the cancer genes that are supposed to stay off, get turned on. Now they could be turned on from all those different things that we just listed. And it's distinctly possible that, you know, if you leave, live a um, lifestyle that's full of stress you're not eating the right foods, you're not supporting your microbiome. Now, potentially those cancer genes are going to get turned on earlier because we do see, especially breast cancer in women or younger and younger. And so that could be part of the contributor. And then if you go down into the childhood, into the leukemias, 
the thought is that the cancer genes that should have been kept in the off position have now been, they've, they've stayed on because during pregnancy, it's a time of rapid growth and expansion. So a lot of genes that would be off are turned on and then they never get turned off in these children who go on to develop leukemia. Mm. Again, epigenetic control. And some of these things may be turned on in utero as well. Some of that, a lot of signaling does happen in utero which is where we know that um, children who are ex um, exposed to famine during pregnancy are going to potentially be predisposed to type two diabetes, heart disease, and then children who are born in times of abundance aren't necessarily going to be uh, programmed, shall we say, because those genes aren't turned on uh, for type two diabetes or, or heart disease. So um, very interesting. Now, do the epigenetics transfer from your parents? It can. So it's called transgenerational, and they've done studies in, um, in uh, I was going to say in mice where they um, subjected the grandparents to a particular scent and then shocked them, and then they looked at the grandchildren, and all they had to do to these baby mice was subject them to the smell, and they elicited the exact same response as the grand as the grandparents did, and there is some thought that the Holocaust survivors, I mean, massive, massive epigenetic modification there. And remember, it's not just for women, it is also for men because your sperm also gets methylated and it is also subjected to methylation control. So it can come from both sides as well. And so there is death, you can absolutely see it in Holocaust survivors in the generations. Wow. Now the epigenetic test doesn't show you what cancer uh, genes are turned on, does it? We don't no, have that yet? not yet. Yeah. We're still working on that. But I think in 10 years, it might take us, it's going to be a little bit longer on that one. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, very much. We're keeping an eye on that. But the DNA test can tell you that you you have genes that could potentially uh, be a problem for cancer, right? Right. So like the BRCA gene, but again, it, it's just simply going to say that you have that gene, which could potentially trigger this pathway. And I think one of the challenges with cancer is it's so multifactorial in origin. So the, the DNA sets the stage. Um, then you have DNA damage. You don't necessarily have the repair mechanisms to repair the DNA breakage. Now that is going to get replicated and into other cells, then you don't have the a proper environment to support it. And then all of a sudden it becomes this cascade. So I think that's where cancer gets a little bit trickier in terms of actually being able to say, if these genes are this methylated, this is, we know this is what it's going to mean. So mm -hmm. I think that's what the literature is trying to tease out, but I don't think we're that far off from being able to say this P53 cancer gene is more methylated or, or less methylated. And P53 is what? It's one of the cancer genes that is, is thought to, it turns on a cascade or it keeps the cascade under control. So there's some, what we call big oncogenes, and that's one of them that is going to elicit this cascade. But again, even if the cascades turned on, that doesn't mean you are doomed to cancer. You can absolutely change that trajectory. And I think that's a really important message is that your genes are not your destiny. It's just a blueprint and it's up to you how you're going to live your life 
so that you can change that health trajectory and what you want your quality of life to look like. Yes, I totally agree. And so these different reports, the, especially the epigenetic one, does it give um, changes of modification of diet and, and exercise or various things that you can do to improve what, what the score is? Absolutely, it does. So it's going to give you areas around um, supplements, lifestyle, different um, foods, or, or even, you know, for example, fasting. Fasting is a great strategy that has been shown to improve epigenetic age. Now, if you're somebody who has issues with your blood sugar or you're taking insulin, you've got to work with your healthcare practitioner. And so it's really important to take that report and pair it with your healthcare practitioner, working with Dr. Carter, because you're going to want to do a little bit more investigation as to what else is going on in your body. So you can come up with a personalized plan. Perfect. Beautiful. Great. I think we covered a lot of ground today. I think uh, we got a lot of good stuff. Uh, is there anything that I may have neglected or missed that we didn't talk about that we should? Um, I'll just give people another analogy, which oh, is um, you. So DNA is like this, a stage and the stage is set and you are the actor and how you're going to interact on that stage is up to you. And the epigenetics is the effect that you're going to elicit from your audience. Are you going to make them laugh? Are you going to make them cry? Are they going to bond with you? But you are the center person in this story and you have so much at your control and at your disposal. And especially with functional medicine, there's just so much more that you can do and to really understand yourself. So you know how to deliver the best performance of your life. That's a nice analogy. I like it. Thank you. So we're all, we're all a bunch of actors now. <laughs> That's right. In our stage of DNA. Beautiful. Um, and if people want to learn more about your testing, how do they do that? So you can go to Dr. Carter or you can go to toolboxgenomics.com. Um, so that is for practitioners specifically. You can get signed up there. And then if you are a consumer and you're just interested in getting to know a little bit more about um, all of the, the wild world of DNA, I do live streams every two weeks and you can tune in and you go to my toolbox, genomics.com and you can sign up there. And, um, and then if you choose to get a report, I know Dr. Carter would be more than happy to help you or his colleagues. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Erica Gray. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Um, I look forward to our next conversation, actually. I do too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.